Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good morning, baseball people, and welcome to Inside the Clubhouse on a Saturday morning in January with spring training seemingly approaching. No delays we've heard about just yet, but we'll get the latest on that and talk about that. Hot stove continuing for both the White Sox and the Cubs. And in the past uh, day or two, we've lost yet another and maybe the biggest of all the Hall of Famers we've lost. Good morning to Bruce Levant, sir. How are you? Good morning, Matt Spiegel. It's a pleasure having you back after one week. Uh, I'm sure you had a lovely weekend with your beautiful wife, Christine, celebrating her birthday. And welcome back. Uh, we are approaching rapidly, believe it or not, uh, spring training for both the Cubs and White Sox. As planned, both the Cubs and White Sox and the other 28 teams are all planning to go to spring training, start on time somewhere around February 17th. Pitchers and catchers report. Three, day, three days later, you have position players, and by the 26th or 27th of February, you will have your first spring training games. That's the plan hmm. right now, and uh, nothing is uh, stopping that until we hear differently. Obviously, we all have our trepidation about talking about uh, this going on with uh, numbers still going up in many places like Arizona as far as uh, positivity for corona. But uh, we will stay positive and we will try to heat up that hot stove for our listeners and everybody out there as we continue talking baseball in the offseason. I really look forward to the day when I can stop um, considering myself an amateur epidemiologist, Bruce. I, I really, you know, but, but considering will the players be vaccinated? There is no bubble plan. Um, there's so many things up in the air, I guess. I want it very, very badly, but I'm finding it hard to believe that that first spring training game at, towards the end of February is actually going to take place. 
Yeah, I'm uncomfortable when you're wearing the white coat and you ask me to turn my head and cough. I mean, that I prefer you, uh, you know, in your normal garb as we're just talking baseball and uh, getting ready for the regular season. Come on, I mean, look over my shoulder. That's a real degree on the wall. I didn't, I didn't just print that up and throw it up there. Come on. Um, yeah, no, I know. Well, I, mean, we, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to these medical things. No, we don't. Uh, but we do have some answers for you as far as your Cubs, Sox, and other teams go. As uh, as Matt mentioned, we will be talking about Hank Aaron and his life and times with Billy Williams, the Hall of Famer and good friend of ours, at 9.30. Uh, at the top of the hour, the head of international scouting and uh, and director for the Cubs, Louis Alhawa, will join us. Uh, and at 10.30... The great broadcaster for the New York Yankees does a color, color commentary for the Yankees on WFAN. Our friend Susan Waldman will be joining us. And you at uh, 312-644-6767, you're the people we're always interested in talking to when it comes to baseball. Looking forward to the guests very much. Obviously, Billy is a, is a great book by you and the right the right guy to be on in Chicago talking about um, Hammer and Hank. Fergie Jenkins was on with our Zach Zaidman yesterday. Another terrific voice on this stuff. And then Louis Alhawa. This is it's supposed to be one of the best Cubs um, international signing classes ever. And certainly, it's seemingly, people are saying it's their best since that summer they signed Eloy Jimenez. and uh, Or that winter they signed Eloy Jimenez and Glaber Torres. So that's, that's pretty good. Looking forward to talking to Louis. Um, very much about that. Um, but before we, before we get to some of the spring training stuff with the Cubs and the Sox, I feel like you and I could sit here and just throw numbers back and forth about Hank Aaron that would, would blow people away. There's so many. His baseball reference page is just, it's unreal to look at, Bruce. What he averaged, his average season over 20 years is just, just incredible between 55 and 74. Yeah, I mean, here's the guy that uh, arguably was the all-time leader in home runs, and we know that uh, the real home run record, 755, was his. The other one by Barry Bonds is in the record book at 762. But uh, most people, you know, they wince when they talk about Bonds being the all-time home run hitter with uh, Hank Aaron, the pure hitter who never hit more than 47 home runs in his entire career, yet ends up with... um, the magic of 755 home runs, all-time leader in RBIs uh, in, in the entire history of baseball, still standing today. Uh, and the one thing that really stands out to me, Matt, is because I got to watch Aaron as, as a young kid play baseball, and uh, the fact that he was a five-tool player that's rarely talked about. Yeah. Uh, because he played in an era, and, um, you know, you know, Jenkins talked yesterday about pitching in a all-star game, and he had the outfield of Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and Roberto Clemente behind him. Now, can you imagine <laughs> that? Okay. So what happened to Hank Aaron is he was as good or better than those two guys. And I, I really think, you know, Mays was the best player I've ever seen. But um, when you talk about flair... Clemente and Mays had tremendous flair, tremendous amount of uh, energy that they over-exuded and, uh, you know, were fan favorites from uh, that situation. 
Aaron, playing in a small market for the good majority of his career, both in Milwaukee and then in Atlanta, uh, just was a consistent great base runner, a consistent great outfielder with an outstanding arm, but didn't have the flair of those other two guys. And therefore, he, he really was the underrated star of that time, even though he holds all these records. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, the first... 40-30 guy with 44 homers and 31 stolen bases uh, in, in one season. And I think by now people know some of the uh, the big one that's so fascinating. If you took away his 755 homers, he would still have 3,000 hits. And, and this, uh, Bruce, just his singles alone are more hits total than Hall of Famers like Mike Schmidt, Willie McCovey, Joe DiMaggio, Willie Stargell, Ron Santo, you know, Edgar Martinez. Just his singles are more total hits than all those guys. Right. Yeah, that Crazy. is an incredible number that you picked out, Matt. And uh, the reality is, is that if there's no Pete Rose, then, you know, Aaron is your all-time, you know, hit leader. You know, so it's it's just a, an amazing career. And the the man himself, I was fortunate to spend time with Hank Aaron on a number of occasions, especially in 2000, when the Cubs opened the season with the New York Mets in Japan. And there I was uh, having breakfast with Ernie Banks and Hank Aaron. Hmm. And uh, an hour and a half later, uh, I'm just listening. Obviously, you don't open your mouth very much when you're, you're talking to those two guys. You might ask a question or two to lead into a conversation, but that was, you know, that was just sensational. And you talk about a gentleman uh, Hank Aaron was all of that and more. Just a guy that uh, gave out a tremendous amount of respect and got it back in return. But um, we could we could do a whole two hours on Hank Aaron, and it would be fascinating. We will talk to Billy Williams at the bottom of the hour to talk about his friend and fellow Mobile, Alabama area, uh, you know, native. Uh, Billy Williams and Hank Aaron grew up in the same area, so we will talk to Billy mm-hmm. at nine thirty. All right, looking forward to it. Uh, Tim Anderson talked to the media this week. He's on the cover of RBI Baseball for the White Sox. You're listening, by the way, to Inside the Clubhouse on the score. Feel free to call us up at 312-644-6767, or you can text in. That's the BetQL listener line to reach us there. Um, let's hear a little bit from Tim Anderson about the White Sox offseason, Bruce, because George Springer goes to the Toronto Blue Jays this week. I know that was a right field target that some had dreamed about. That's a big, big contract for a guy who's, who's 31. But all the other things that the White Sox did so far, and they're not done, look pretty good. And I think they look pretty good to Tim Anderson as well. Makes us feel good. You know, we, we added some pieces that we needed. Um, and I think all those pieces are going to help us. Um, I don't really think it's about really spending a whole lot of money. I think it's just doing what makes sense and uh, getting pieces in there to really help us. Um, and I think I think they've really been doing, a, you know, making the right moves to, you know, kind of get to where we're trying to go. Um, I think we're heading in the right direction. You know, you've seen that last year. Um, we, we was just missing a little bit of pieces. And, uh, you know, now they're coming together. And hopefully we continue to build and, uh, you know, keep going and, and c- continue to move, you know, uh, where, where Ricky left. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can pave a new road with, with Tony and see how that goes. Mentions Ricky Renteria there at the end and paving a new road with Tony, and we'll talk about that a little more in a second. But um, your thoughts on the construction of the White Sox roster right now? The players are excited, and understandably so, Bruce. Well, I see you know a much improved team from a team that was uh, probably the best team in the American League till the last ten days of the season, wouldn't you say, Matt? 
Yeah. So from from all of that uh, and the growth that you you assume, and again, it's a dangerous word always, that you assume will continue for their young players, and they have so many good ones, and the additions of the veterans. I think they've had a sensational offseason. I know uh, there's people out there that are disappointed that they haven't added more, but I mean, uh, you know, tell me a team that's won the offseason more than the Chicago White Sox as far as additions to an already very good-looking team. Yeah, um, I mean, the Blue Jays have done have done some stuff. Uh, the Padres would I'd probably say the Padres. So it's the Padres and the White Sox as the Padres added uh, all, all, all that all that pitching um, to an already incredibly impressive roster. But those are the two teams that everybody talked about all season last year. It's like, oh, here come these two. Here come these right. two. Give me a White Sox Padres World Series, maybe. Oh, yeah, I'll that wouldn't be bad. And nope. and and it's it's not a stretch at this point. Uh, and what what are you talking about when you're talking about the Padres and the White Sox and the Toronto Blue Jays? They have built over the last four or five years a cachet of tremendous young talent. Some developed, uh, a lot of it acquired from other teams and then developed. And uh, that is very similar to what we saw, uh, you know, the Kansas City Royals do for a while. We mm-hmm. saw uh, the Philadelphia Phillies do it in the uh, you know, 10, 12 years ago, and we saw the Chicago Cubs do it over a five or six year period. So this is where we see the White Sox this is where we see the Padres and certainly Toronto is on the come as well. Uh, yeah, Bruce, it, you mentioned uh, some people have been uh, there were some that wanted George Springer. The, the history of uh, hundred plus million dollar contracts for position players at the age of 31 or older is not really a good one. Like, like the best names you'll see there. In terms of production, are Albert Pujols, um, but I, I don't know that the the Angels would would sign up for that again. They haven't really done much in the nine yeah. years since he's been there. I mean, um, look at his numbers compared to when he was in St. Louis, and has that matched up to that contract? No, he he. Uh, the only category he's led the American League in since he's been with the Angels is grounded into double plays. He did that. He's done that three times. Um, Robinson Cano with Seattle was a big, big deal. A couple of real good years, uh, an average year here or there, but then steroids and suspension and, and eventual trade to the Mets. Yoenis Suspedis is another name there. Jason Wirth famously for the Nationals, but that was they were further away when they signed him, and that was more symbolic than anything. I, 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 I'm glad the White Sox um, did not necessarily invest six years at $25 million per in, in George Springer. That could hamstring you a few years down the road. It, it really could. Uh, I mean, he's a very good player, and he brings sure. an awful lot to the game, uh, both on and off the field. Terrific individual uh, besides what he brings out on the, on the field. And a great spokesman would have been a perfect leadoff man, certainly for the White Sox. But, you know, 30 million, you know, come on, 25 million a year. Is that what he's getting now mm-hmm. uh, times five? Uh, you know, I, I think I think the White Sox need to keep that DH spot open. I really do. I mean, we heard, you know, the rumor last week that Nelson Cruz was on his way to Chicago. OK, again, you know, a false rumor, uh, not nothing to it. Uh, the White Sox are pretty much at their spending uh, point as far as their payroll goes. They're right around 130 to 133 million dollars for the 25-man roster. Uh, that's where they're going to be. There's some flexibility left of maybe three to four million dollars, maybe five, going into uh, July when they might need to add a veteran player or two along the way to have a uh, 
a postseason run in them that they want, uh, but they're pretty well done spending money. That's it. Uh, uh, and uh, Springer, you know, paying him another $25 million without uh, guarantee of any revenue stream this year from uh, fans in the stands at this point. We're hoping that it happens and happens soon, but we don't know anything about that. Uh, that's uh, that's going to be beyond uh, where the White Sox payroll is going to go. There, there's a couple big, big bats left in the DH market. Marcelo Zuna and you mentioned Nelson Cruz. Um, you think they're waiting to figure out what the National League situation is going to be with the DH to see, so, to see if their market opens up a little bit more? Yeah, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? I mean, you know, we're, yeah. we're less than a month from spring training, and the, the whole National League doesn't know how to weigh their roster or to uh, leave a spot for a DH or add a DH. And, you know, I think your evaluation is right, Matt. You know, guys like uh, like Cruz, uh, you know, are certainly going to be, uh, you know, adding, you know, another 15 teams to their market if uh, they ever make a decision whether they're having the DH or not. The assumption, and again, assuming is always a dangerous act, the assumption is, is that the National League will have it, but it's being dangled in between negotiations between the the Players Association and Major League Baseball right now. So we really don't have a determination on that, which is crazy. And that is hamstringing uh, some of these guys like Osuna and uh, Cruz from signing somewhere. Yeah. Um, 312-644-6767 is the number if you want to get in. Um, let's hear Tim Anderson talk about his new manager, Tony La Russa. This is, this is Tim, and he says he's been texting with the new manager from his Zoom call the other day. We've been texting back and forth. Um, it was it was a little confusing at first um, because, it, you know, I kind of built something with Ricky that was, you know, it was very special. Um, you know, Ricky been there since I got there. And it's always, you know, it's always definitely weird when, when you're trying something new. Um, but, you know, I'm definitely open with Tony. Uh, you know, we're definitely going to build from zero. Uh, you know, I never met him. I, I don't know him, so I can't really go off of what people say. So, um, I'm definitely, you know, kind of excited to kind of learn from him. Um, it's a reason that he's been in the game for a while. I mean, it's a reason that, you know, that he's been so successful over his career. Um, so I'm definitely, you know, interested in learning from him. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can make this as smooth and, you know, uh, as positive, positive as we can. I appreciate that from Tim Anderson. I think there's a lot of uh, genuine feelings there. Um, and, you know, he's, he's looking forward to working on it, but it, it, it'll take some work. And they're texting and already working on it, Bruce. As we as our show started today, uh, the Cubs have made it official. They've signed uh, catcher Austin Romaine to a one-year deal. Romaine uh, spent uh, most of his career with the Yankees last year with the Tigers. Uh, backup catcher, right-handed hitter. Outstanding defender, so he will go into that Victor Caratini role for the Cubs, a $1.5 million contract for one year for Austin Romaine catching, uh, backing up Wilson Contreras. Yeah, so, you know, he, he's always been thought of as a, as a real good pitch framer, um, although even although those metrics have dropped a little bit in the past couple years, he's um, decent at, at caught stealing, um, but not great at caught stealing. And he's just, he, he's, he's, a, he's a backup catcher. He's, he's a solid, very usable number two catcher uh, in MLB, but uh, Contreras should play an awful lot uh, of catcher this year. And then Miguel Amaya down the road. Yes, indeed. Uh, he is on the come as well. You know, one of the top young catchers in the game. And 
getting his offense together to match his defense. So the, the, the Cubs will be handled uh, very well unless uh, the rumors about Contreras continue and he does get uh, traded down the line here. More uh, Cubs stuff later on, Sox as well. But uh, we will be talking to Billy Williams when we come back about the life and times of Hank Aaron. And uh, top of the 10 o'clock hour, head of international scouting uh, for the Chicago Cubs, Louis Alhawa. And then at the bottom of 10 o'clock hour, 10.30, Susan Waldman, the great broadcaster for the New York Yankees, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Keep it all right here on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast listen to every mlb game live the deep left center field it is high it is far it is gone stream minor league affiliates the midwest league home run leader Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. That right there, one of the indelible moments in the history of professional sports in America. Vin Scully on the call. Hank Aaron with number 715. Al Downing was the pitcher. Dusty Baker was on deck. The ball sailed over Bill Buckner's head and caught by Tom House in the Braves' bullpen. Craig Sager interviewing him after. I just I just wish I'd been old enough to remember watching it live, Bruce Levine, but... 
Uh, looking forward to talking about that, among many other things regarding Hank Aaron, with our next guest, who joins us right now on the Alpamani Nissan Hotline. Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue, or you can go to apnissan.com. This man is a Hall of Fame ball player, a Hall of Fame person. Our friend Billy Williams joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, uh, Will, uh, Billy. Uh, certainly a bittersweet day uh, for all of us. Good morning, Bruce and, and Craig. You got, you got, nice talking to you guys this morning. You too, uh, Billy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's always great talking to you, Billy. It's uh, kind of a bittersweet day with the uh, situation with Hank Aaron and all these uh, great friends of yours and people that have passed in the last six months. Let's let's talk a little bit about Hank and uh, yeah. how far back how far back you and Hank originally go. Well, it really is, Bruce, to uh, to know that a lot of Hall of Famers have passed away, to name a lot of guys, you know, like Lou Brock, and I was roommates at one time. And, of course, a lot of those individuals, Bob Gibson, passed away. But I guess when a guy that, uh, you know, you grew up with and you've been knowing for a long time, uh, it's it's a little different. I remember when I was like 14 or 15 years old, when he played with the uh, Mobile Black Bears, he was a second baseman at the time. And, uh, of course, I went down to uh, see a baseball game because my brother was on the same team. My brother was a pitcher on the same team. And to see him playing second base and to uh, follow him through the years as a as an individual, to know what he's done and hit this historical 755 home runs, to break an all-time record, which was held for many, many years. And it just, it just sad to, you know, to hear about the passing of this individual. I got a call yesterday morning about 9.30, which is a friend of mine and a friend of uh, Billy Aaron and Henry Aaron, and uh, he told me what had happened. Aaron went to sleep last night. And, of course, uh, Billy went in to try to wake him up this morning. He normally wake up about 9 o'clock. And she went in to uh, wake him up, and uh, bless God, he was gone. And hey. I, I just heard, uh, uh, you know, when you think about that, you think about a little laughter to it, put a little laughter to it. Uh, Tom Lasada going to have a hell of an outfield up there. Oh, man. <laughs> that, that whole team. He's yeah, got he a, got he's a, got... He got enough. He don't need no more. <laughs> he don't need another outfield. <laughs> Agreed. And 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 no 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 lefty. He doesn't need a sweet swinging. No no no. He no. don't need a left-handed hitter. Yeah, he got <laughs> he got him up there. Yeah yeah. Uh, you know, people say, uh, Billy, that that the sound. Uh, of the ball coming off Hank's bat, I remember Warren Spahn said he never heard anything like it in his life, and just the consistency with which Hank hammered the ball. Did you see that early on? I mean, you talk about really him at, at, at age 14 playing second base and then going to the Indianapolis Clowns, eventually moved to the outfield. Did, did you see that, that him, him hitting the ball that hard that early? Well, at, at that time, Craig, uh, we had a lot of good ball players, and, and uh, I often say Aaron was a – he wasn't a big standout when he played on this team because we had so many great ball players. He just got the opportunity to play. But there were several guys, there are a few guys, when the ball hit the bat, I recognized that when I saw him play in the major league, of course. There are several guys that uh, when the ball come off the bat, it's a different sound. And, uh, you know, Buck O'Neill tells a story, and everybody here that, uh, you know, he was outside of the fence and 
he heard this guy looked in hit, hitting the ball hitting the ball and he looked in and it was uh babe root you know and uh same thing with aaron he was on the outside and when this individual hit the ball you could tell a different sound and uh that's what happened when the ball come off the bat you know he was quick at the plate and when the ball come off the bat it was a different sound because you know he was a he was a line drive hitter and of course it was a Different sound when he hit that uh, ball out of the ballpark and it came back off of Kenny Holtzman on that no-hitter. Hmm. I know that. I could hear that from Love Phil. <laughs> yeah, that was a special day. I'm Bruce Levine. Matt Spiegel, my co-host, were having the privilege to talk to Billy Williams about the life and times of Henry Aaron. And talk a little bit about that play because we're talking about uh, the Kenny Holtzman no-hitter in 1969. And uh, take us through that uh, that sequence there where it appears that Aaron has hit a home run and how you position yourself, Billy, to uh, save that no-hitter and make that great catch. Yeah, well, it was, it was a day when the wind was blowing about, I guess, about 35 or 40 miles per hour. And we playing Atlanta Braves, and uh, Kenny Holtzman had a no-hitter going. And I guess this is about the sixth inning, and I forget what inning was in, but uh, I know that... Uh, Kenny had that no-hitter going, and uh, Kenny threw, uh, had a good breaking ball, I think it was, and Kenny threw Aaron a good breaking ball. And, of course, as I mentioned, the wind was blowing in about 35 miles per hour. And uh, I looked up, and I kind of gave up on the ball because I know when he hit the ball, it's out of the ballpark when he get it good because he's a line drive hitter. But this particular day, the ball was a little high. He got under it a little bit more. And the wind pushed it back in the ballpark. And I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it, and I almost gave up on it, but I stayed with the ball. And the only, the only reason I caught that ball is a little uh, the fence go around, like going to the clubhouse, the visiting the home clubhouse. There's a that, that fence that goes around, and I got had to get up in that cranic to catch the ball from home plate. And I think... I was looking mostly at the scoreboard when the ball came back in the ballpark. So mm-hmm. it was a it was a it was a hell of a thing. And then you look up and you see Henry Aaron coming around the first base, and you know he kicking the dirt and say, "I thought I had it," and he was mm-hmm. breaking up a no hitter. And uh, it was just a it was just a a different day that day. It was he, the team Atlanta hit a lot of hard balls, and uh, I guess. When we got in the clubhouse, it was a big deal because we thought about the ball that was hit out the ballpark. But I think the last out was hit to Glenn Beckett. And Beck wasn't sure he got to catch the ball. He got kind of rubber leg. So when we got in the clubhouse, and uh, we started laughing about it. Hmm. Hey, 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 Billy, a lot, of, a lot of players, younger players, have talked about Hank being a mentor. But uh, I'm interested in... in, in these meetings that you guys used to have before spring training down in, in Alabama <laughs> where the mobile players like Willie McCovey, Tommy Agee, Cleon Jones, you, I think your brother Franklin, right? Like uh-huh. uh, what, um, uh, what, 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 what was Hank the leader of those meetings as he was talking to you? What, were the, what was he talking about when you guys would get together? Well, you know, it starts out like uh, about, I guess about three weeks before spring training. We're all call around and get together at uh, at uh, Carver Stadium, and this was about a block from where uh, Aaron was raised up. And he had been in the major league for 
quite some time, about three or four years, I think. But we'll call around to guys in the minor league and at that time, and uh, we, 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 we go out and hit. We take about two rounds of batting practice. We take some fly balls. We take some, you know, uh, uh, hitting. And then we'll, uh, after the end, we'll go sit in the stand and we'll just uh, have conversation about baseball, about pitching in the major league, and just about the whole rim of the game of baseball, how to play it, uh, what to do in different situations. Uh, most of all, we talk about talk about the pitching. And, you know, guys would sit there because Aaron had been in the major league for quite some time, so hmm. he had the floor. And I guess, you know, when you're young and see this individual have had the success he've had in the big league, you know, throughout the minor league and the big league, you listen. And uh, the thing he talked about, a lot of times he got in the hit and stand behind the ball, uh, hitting the ball they all feels. You know, he just – he just had a had a had a way of talking about the whole game of baseball, and I guess it worked out because a lot of guys that uh, he sat and talked to a lot of a lot of those guys, you know, came behind him and made the big league and had some good years on a major league level. So we listened what he said. He talked about a lot of things about baseball, and all of a sudden we get a chance to play. And we tried to do it for others coming along. That's the voice of Billy Williams joining us on Inside the Clubhouse this Saturday morning. We're privileged to talk to Billy about the life and times of Henry Aaron, who passed away uh, yesterday at age uh, 86. Billy, uh, a different time, a different era. Fergie Jenkins was on uh, our station yesterday. He talked about uh, his relationship with... um, with Hank Aaron, but he talked about how most of it was when they both were in the Hall of Fame, like you uh, joined him in the Hall of Fame. Talk mm-hmm. about the pitcher, the pitcher-hitter dynamic back then. I remember actually bringing Bob Gibson over to you during uh, spring training one year, and you guys didn't know each other all that well. Uh, explain that dynamic about how pitchers and, and hitters didn't talk. Well... <laughs> When you mentioned Bob Gibson, he didn't talk to his own players. You know, when he was on pitch that night, he didn't talk to his own players. And uh, I think at Ernest Field, I talked about Bob Gibson, and Ernie used to talk about all the time, say, Billy's going to hit a home run off it. And I say, don't make that sucker mad. He's mad already, you know. <laughs> but uh, pitchers in the, in the major league, uh, they never did have great friendship unless that guy was on his own team because most of all, when he's out there pitching, he's trying to get this guy out, you know, and it, and, it, and it makes it tough to have that conversation. I remember one time they, uh, the, 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 the rule they had, you know, when you uh, visit another team or a team come to you, they had a fraternizing rule. They charge you $50 every time you stand back there and talk to a guy too long. And that's the way it was in the 50s because, you know, there was a lot of sliding, breaking up double plays, knocking down. There was a lot of stuff. So you didn't want to uh, get in between that. You played the game as it should be played, and every phase of the game you played it hard. Hey, hey, hey Billy, he sat breaking ball. His whole career, he said, every at-bat of his life, he sat on a breaking ball because he couldn't get a fastball by him. That's, 
That's <laughs> special stuff. What made it so quick? Those wrists? That's, that's, that's why Henry Aaron hit 755 home runs. A lot of the players who have played Major League Baseball, they do it a little different way. Uh-huh. And I think Aaron did that because he was so quick, the timing, the precision timing at the plate. And he could wait on a breaking ball. And I've seen balls that, uh, you know, if he waiting on a breaking ball and the ball is inside, and he could still get to that baseball. And most of the individuals now, they hit off the fastball. And, uh, you know, if they're working on a breaking ball and they get the ball inside, I think they're going to get jammed. But Aaron was a different type of hitter. He was so quick at the plate, he stayed behind the ball. A lot of people say he hit off his front foot, you know, but he didn't. The ball was going at the time. He stayed behind the ball. He was quick. And, uh, you know, he just got the bat head through the ball. He had strong wrists, strong hands, and uh, precision timing. So that's what made him a good hitter. Billy, uh, when you – and, again, Matt and I really appreciate you joining us and, and taking the time out, and all the best to you and Shirley and the best to health to everybody in your family as well during Thank these you. times. Thank you. Uh, I, I, the last question I have for you is when you when you look at Aaron and you look at Mays and Clemente, because of the flair that you saw with Clemente and Mays, it seems like Aaron – uh, took a back seat to them as far as publicity goes. Do you think it was just the small market of Milwaukee and Atlanta or the fact that uh, people just responded to Willie's uh, energy level, Clemente's energy level, and, and ignored the five-tool excellence of uh, Hank Aaron? Well, certainly when you're playing in New York, there's a certain amount of uh, sports writers, publicity that you get up there. That's why a lot of guys, when they... Uh, when they go into a different club, they want to go to New York because, uh, you know, the exposure they get in New York. And, of course, Aaron playing in uh, Milwaukee, which is not a, a big market. And, of course, Clemente, uh was playing in Pittsburgh. But I think uh, Henry, overall, people didn't recognize what he was doing until he got close to uh, 755 home runs. Uh, when he was... First came in the league when Bobby Thompson broke his ankle and he got a chance to play. And from that on, he started hitting home runs. Not not open everybody's eyes, not open their eyes of hitting 50 home runs a year. That was always 40, 45 home runs a year. But the consistency of that, a lot of, a lot of guys didn't recognize that. As a player, as a, a base runner, a good base runner, as an outfielder, a good outfielder, but he did all these things with ease. You know, uh, a lot of people didn't recognize what he was doing, but he knew what he was doing. He was playing the game as he know how, and and all of a sudden, you know, when he started getting the seventy five, seven hundred and fifty five home runs, people started recognizing this guy. Say he's a good baseball player. He does everything well. But, uh, you know, we begin to recognize him now, and when he's getting close to the 755 home run, and then that's when he got the exposure. Uh, I think he got more publicity after he got out of the game because people knew at that time what kind of baseball player he was. Not as a home run hitter, but they began to recognize everything he did as a baseball player. Good old number 26, Billy Williams. Hank was 44. Willie McCovey was 44. Reggie Jackson. Eric Davis. 
Would Anthony Rizzo have been able to wear 44 if you had your druthers, Billy Williams? Did, did you want to be it? Did you consider it at all? At one, at one time, yes. But uh, when, you, when you mentioned 44, uh, Aaron had a lot to do with that. It's a standard of a guy hitting home runs. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you always look at that and say, if I could get 44. But uh, here in Chicago, Yoshkawana, our, our equipment manager, had a different – a uh, 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 thing about that, you know, he had the the outfielders win uh, from twenties uh, catches, you know, single numbers pitches, ten to twenty five or something like that, twenty. Mm-hmm. But uh, Yoshkawana had 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 a set of rules that he wanted to do in Chicago, and you got the number that Yosh wanted to give you. He had catches different numbers, he had pitches different numbers. He had outfielders different numbers, and and that's what you got. Of course, if I got it, if I could have got it, I surely would have because it was a standard of, you know, guys that drive the ball, hit the ball out the ballpark. Was and I know a, Willie please... McCovey, you know, yeah. being from uh, Mobile, I know he asked the Giants for it, and the Giants gave it to him. Yeah. Wes, uh, we appreciate you uh, joining us so much. Uh, all the best to you. Let's hope uh, baseball is – Normalized in 2021, we can once again sit in the dugout, meet before games, and uh, enjoy the conversation and watch Major League Baseball with all the other fans. Thanks so much. Well, well we say well. hope so, Bruce. We want to get through this uh, uh, coronavirus and get back to normal life. I, I don't know whether it's going to be normal like it was, but get back to kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of close to what we've been going through. And baseball has bought a a lot of laughter to people. Let's get back to do it in April. Sounds you good, bet, Billy. Thank you so much, Matt, and I really appreciate it. Our uh, our love extends out to Shirley and you and your family. Thanks once again for joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Thank you, Matt and Bruce. You guys have a nice day. Nice chatting with you. You too, Billy. Man, that's a uh, that's a good man. That's a class man, uh, and yeah. uh, ap- appreciate the opportunity to talk to him about Hank and uh, and baseball in general, Bruce. Yeah, absolutely. He's the type of guy, like I said, uh, I asked one question, then I just listened for the next half hour and uh, and happy about it. Uh, we have a lot more to do, including the uh, Cubs uh, top international uh, scout, Louis Alhawa, joining us at the top of the hour. Susan Waldman, the Yankee broadcaster, joining us at 1030. And your calls at 312-644-6767. That's our text line as well. Keep it right here on The Score on Inside the Clubhouse. Welcome back on Inside the Clubhouse. Great stuff from Billy Williams. Man, that, that's, that little minute there about sitting on the breaking ball and trusting yourself to be fast enough on the fastball got me, you know, if, if more guys could get their swing fast enough and then take that approach, who, the, who knows what they could do? That was Tim Anderson's big adjustment, Bruce, when he, 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 when he became a much better hitter a few off-seasons ago. His, his big adjustment was deciding to sit breaking ball and trust his hands to be quick enough on the fastball. It, if you're fast enough, that's a good way to do it. Boy, you just said it right there, Matt. If you're fast enough, if you have those abilities, if you have the 15-20 eyesight, if you have those reflexes, there's mm-hmm. not many that do, and there's not many that combine that with the uh, road skills and the uh, work that you have to put into being a great hitter. But... When we were talking to Billy Williams, we were talking to one of the greatest hitters of all time that 
did the same thing that Hank Aaron did. He hit the ball hard. He hit it hard to all fields. He hit for average. He hit for power. Uh, he led the league in hitting. Uh, these are special people, uh, very special people, and they don't come around every day. No, no, they, they really don't. That's the thing. It's like I, I think about that kind of thing a, a lot as, as I get older and, and watch hitters struggle, really smart, good hitters. Like, you know, I've been thinking about Kyle Schwarber, who's off to Washington along with John Lester, and he'll be there with Davey Martinez and more. But Schwarber was a guy, I remember Ron Coomer on the phone talking with us about it, Bruce. They were asking Schwarber to be both a slugger and a contact hitter. You know, it's, it's what they ask a lot of people to do. And, that, and those skills, it just it doesn't come natural to very many people on the planet, let alone on a baseball team. You are who you are, Matt. Uh, you can get better at a lot of different things. I think hitting is the one area uh, that was always said to be the toughest thing to do consistently in sports when uh, 30% of uh, success is considered a great thing. And more than 30% means that you're likely to go to the Hall of Fame. So from that perspective, you still are in awe of the guy that can hit 300, that the guy... The guys like Williams and uh, Aaron that hit 300 and hit 400, 500, 600, 700 home runs. Just incredible. I mean, they're numbers when you read them. They're numbers when you talk about them. But just think of the consistency it takes during a a career that lasts 20 years, 23 years, 23 All-Star games for Hank Aaron. Billy Williams, uh, for many years, the all-time holder of uh, having played uh, over 1,100 games in a row without um, w- without missing a ball game, if you can imagine seven years without missing a game. Uh, there are very few people built like these guys that played every day and put up those numbers. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, it, the Of the modern metrics, um, one of my favorite is OPS Plus, which, where they look at the OPS, the, the, the on-base plus slugging, and kind of do the math to sort of normalize it. And where 100 is an average player, a great player like Christian Yelich in his uh, MVP year um, was at 164 for the Milwaukee Brewers, right? 164 OPS plus for over a season. Amazing number. Hank Aaron, over 20 seasons from 55 to 74, had an OPS plus of 161. It, it's, it's, it's insane. There's lots of great players who've never had a single season as good as he averaged over 20 seasons. Just outrageous. Yeah. Yeah, and just think about 23 All-Star games, okay? Just, yeah. just think about that. Him and Mays, I think, hold the record for 23. Back between 59 and 61, uh, they played two All-Star games a year. So some of those numbers, you know, uh, you know, you got two in one year if you were a great player like Aaron or Mays. But mm-hmm. just, just imagine being that consistent and that good for that period of time. Looking forward to talking to our next guest. Um, He is uh, the director of international scouting, the vice president of international scouting uh, for the Chicago Cubs and uh, assistant to the general manager as well these days. So looking forward to talking to him. That's Louis Elhawa. He will join us next right here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. 
Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.